Hello and welcome to another episode of Peripod. This week I am joined by T38 100, 200 and 400 meter sprinter, Nike athlete, World Para Athletics European silver medalist, 22 year old from Paisley, Ross Patterson. But before we crack on with Ross's story, I want to say a massive thank you to the Turmeric Co who sponsor Peripod. The Turmeric Co products are quickly becoming the gold standard for individuals who are searching for products that can positively impact their holistic health with each ingredient selected offering extraordinary nutritional value. From the moment of launch, the Turmeric Co's primary goal was to help fulfill the lives of its customers through high quality, effective yet natural turmeric based shots. A range of proprietary blends in a shop format offers a convenient solution for people using turmeric as a regular part of their nutrition, no powders and no low quality filler ingredients such as apple juice or water. Only premium, raw and absorbable turmeric root is used in every shot with a combination of other superfood ingredients making the range an effective yet delicious option for people to support their daily health through natural nutrition. If you want to see these benefits for yourself, use code PERRY10 at checkout for 10% off. Now let's crack on with Ross's interview. Hey, how are you doing? I'm not bad, are you? I'm not too bad, thanks, not too bad. Where are you? So you've been just in the house? I'm just in the house, mate. I've got Elvis behind me. You can blame my dad for that, so... <laughs> how is your dad? He's all right, mate. He's not too bad. He's still working away. Um, he's just He's got a hassle with the dog now, so <laughs> that's keeping him busy. He's chucked the football, um, so he's just kind of chilling about. And I think it is missing out a wee bit, but yeah. it's a race, so it's the main thing for him. Yeah, no, that's good. No, it's, good. it's been years since we spoke to each other, isn't it? No, I know. I remember, like, what was it? Was that eight, eight or nine when I first joined West of Scotland? And then uh, that's when I first met you as well. And then all of a sudden, like, things just yeah, no, because that was what, I mean, that was what, 14 years ago now? That's scary, mate. Jeez, oh, wow, tiny. you were tiny as well. <laughs> yeah, I know, I was tiny. I've kind of grown now, but like, I was about that even though. No, but that's, I think that's a great way to, to start this off. I mean, I remember playing football with you, obviously, a long time ago now, uh, and even from a young age, everyone in the squad, um, was well aware of your speed, you know, but it's obviously that's now that's now pretty much your job now, isn't it? Your job is to run fast and to, and to hopefully leave people behind you. So when when did you start pursuing that as as like a, a goal? You know, I obviously you played football and stuff, um, but when did it become the focus of sprinting? Um, I, it was. Um, I don't know if you remember right the see the Red Star Games that we did with West of Scotland. Um, so obviously Giants Eagle. Eaglesham was involved with that with Andy Lundy and um, we got asked along to go and race and from there I loved it. Um, my my first option was to get fast for football and then automatically I wanted to do both so I was training for football and going straight to athletics or vice versa. Um, so it was about 2017 that um, I had to make a decision. Uh, no one told me to but I wanted to make a decision where it was either playing football with a team or going to do athletics and see what I could achieve there. And I was looking at both of them. I had a, a tough choice to make, sat with mum and dad. And um, it was hard. Yeah, it was very hard, but I chose athletics. And then things kicked off. Uh, GB got involved. I was in the development squad. 
I was in the Scotland squad um, and, and I was just competing there up, up in Scotland. I was competing down in England and, and I, thought it, I thought it went really well. Like, uh, I thought I made the right choice um, and athletics has kicked off for me. Uh, you've, you've done not bad so far in, in such a short career. You know, you said you made that decision in 2017. That's sort of three years ago now. You know, so you've, you've accomplished some really great things in such a short period of time. But, you know, it's great that you said you were training for both without even knowing it, you know, because you, you just loved both. And I think that's great, especially for young athletes that are into a bit of everything, you know, and it is great to explore those options because I think from a very young age, whether it's able-bodied or para, you can get very narrow-minded into like mm-hmm. one sport or or one avenue for a career path that this is what I'm going to do whereas actually I mean I think you can be a good advocate for it is that actually go out and explore a few things and you might find something else that you absolutely love yeah 100% um, and uh, don't get me wrong I still love football uh, I coach a, a 2008 football team that started their, two, uh, their 11 side games and um, like I have to, I do still miss kicking a ball. <laughs> Fair enough, they're better than me. But end of the day, um, no, it's still good to put on football boots now and then and have a wee kick about. But coaches still give me a trouble. Uh, so I shouldn't be kicking a ball. But can't help myself to a few keep it up, Skimmer. <laughs> I know the feeling we're not allowed to play either. But I mean, you say you love football, but you are a Sydney fan. So I don't know how much you love football. Mate, we got a win at the weekend. I, I mean, everything that's going on just now, but um, no, I do, I do love St. Martin at the end of the day, and um, I'll back them until the day I die. So, um, you know, win, lose, or draw them until I die. I love that, and, and, and I can confirm that you've always been that way, you know, even from such a young age. Um, so that, that's that's great to see. So let's let's talk a bit more about your your sprinting. You know, your GB Athletics debut came in uh, Berlin in 2018 and obviously I mean that's one year after you've made this decision that I'm going to go you know I'm going to go and put everything I have into becoming a sprinter and you know within the space of 12 months you're already representing GB so what's that like what's going through your head what do you remember about that experience? Uh, I remember um, obviously at the training camp there was talks about about the European Championships and um, uh, like I, I didn't think it was achievable for me at that, that stage. Um, obviously, it was a, a name to work for. Me and my coaches sat down and like thought of ways to try and get there. And obviously, before that, Scotland came in and said that the CP Isra World Games. So I had the World Games one week, and then I would go home back home for a couple of days, and then I would be going. I would be flying out to Berlin. But on the phone call, um, it was actually my house phone and my dad answered and he ran up the stair and uh, um, I got a phone call saying that I'd been selected for Berlin and literally I just paused and she was like, you still there? And I'm like, uh, I-, I was shaking. I was, I-, I, was, I-, I was a feeling that I, I couldn't, I can't experience it. It was just total goosebumps and mom was at work at this point. So after I got off the phone, I phoned her and like, I think she started crying on the phone. Um, it was just a feeling of belief and like I need to believe myself and now that I've made it now I need to work hard and so the training got ramped up for the next four or five weeks coaches hammered me absolutely hammered me and then on the up and coming weeks to go to Spain um, that was that was hard going as well but no it was a feeling like I was actually more cat but when I was on the line I was actually calmer than I was for the Livingston race. 
<laughs> and why do you think that is? Do you think it's because you've been given that nod? So in the back of your head, you know that there is that bigger entity, you know, of Team GB that believe in you. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it was as soon as I put on the, the GB vest, and I, um, I think my warm up had a really good warm up. Um, and then, like, see the glasses that I wear, um, they keep me in the zone. Um, and I think the, the only thing was my race got delayed 40 minutes, and I thought that would have put me off. But nah, I, I stayed calm. I, I think that um, the way that I, I like, conducted myself for my very first debut, I, was, I thought it went really, really well. It couldn't go any better in getting a silver medal in my, my debut. Like, you can't complain with that. And you say it was it was a, a silver medal on your debut, you know, and there's a lot of things that could have been wrong with it. But, you know, the fact that, as you mentioned, you know, it was your debut, but you, you composed yourself, you had belief in yourself from you know, the preparation of yourself and the coach to put in. You've got the, the glasses that, that sort of help you stay focused on the track as well as, you know, but also you've got a 40-minute wait. Like, yeah. that's, as an athlete, I know that, that can really throw you off, you know, having, because you know, like you're racing at this time or, or this time or whatever it may be, and then you can told 30, 40 minute wait, sometimes up to an hour, and, and it can it can really throw you out of your rhythm, you know. So, yeah. what, do you have any advice for, for someone that might be put in that position, you know, that, you know, it may not even be related to sports, someone that's going for a job interview and they get there and, they, yeah. and, and the boss is running late and you can get a bit nervous. What would you say to them in terms of, you know, keeping your calm and staying focused? Um, honestly, I would say, like, don't panic. I know that's hard for anyone to say, and I'm my own worst critic when it comes to that. But what I did was I just kept myself warm. And see, because I was in Berlin, I think the heat helped me because because of my cerebral palsy. If it was like if it was in Scotland, I think I would have got cold really easily, and my muscles need to stay warm for the CP to stay in. And like so you don't cramp up and that's for any athlete as well you need to keep yourself moving yeah, I think that the fact that my, my opponents didn't speak English helped me because um, they weren't trying to talk talk to me or anything so I, I was in my own wee bubble um, I think the, the thing that I would say is don't let yourself get, get you down because when you, you're about to race or if you're about to go for a job interview if you've made it to that part, you should you know you've made it halfway. So if you've got yourself into the interview, then you're partway there. All you need to do is believe in yourself and know, know that you can do it. You need to have the heart, you need to have the desire, you need to have the fire in your belly to say, right, I want this. Right, no, I totally agree. And you mentioned that, you know, the week before the, the championships in Berlin, you were at the world, was it world CP? The, the CP World Games. CP World Games, and so for those that maybe don't know the difference, what is the difference between obviously a you know a para athletics European Championship or a, or a Diamond League or whatever it may be to a CP World Games? So um, CP World Games is you've been selected by your country. Um, so like a, a number of athletes, it's all it's not just athletics; it's different events. Um, it could be football, it could be swimming, it could be ping pong, it could be anything, it could be absolutely anything. So like you're, you've been put in that team with people you don't know 
And then what happened was that I had, this was the very first time I had heats and finals. So I had 100, 200 and 400 metres and I had classification before it. So I had um, two 100s, two 200s and two 400s and a classification, which it started at one o'clock and I didn't get away until seven o'clock and I had the race the next day. Um, that was very, very tiring. Um, and like it was a, a shock to the system because obviously I've only done one race at, per day and like it was difficult, but I managed it. Mm. And what what does a, a para athletics classification look like? Because in table tennis, you know, it was a split between um, like your ability to play the sport and how your disability hinders you, as well as obviously you know medical records and and your proven disability on paper. So what does that look like? Is six hours is a long time to be yeah. in, in classification. So can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, there's a there's a long waiting process. You need to at first you need to hand over your your passport and you need to get all the details first. So that can take up to four to five minutes that hour, especially if you're in a different country. Um, maybe if you're like back at home, it might not take that much. But um, as what I'm a T38, so that's right down right hand side of my body. I've got hemiplegia, so. They said that I'm borderline T37 slash 38. So I think they were having a discussion on see, to see what classification I would actually be. Um, so the process of that was they wanted to see me run as well as test how my reactions were, my reflexes. They wanted to like move my arm right up and right back down. And then they had a hammer and they, they knocked my foot to see what I would do. So it is... I had one for football as well, but it's completely different to athletics. And uh, I think it was a shock because the person I was with was like, oh, you'll only be here for one or two hours. But no, I was there for six. <laughs> <laughs> and what's the more, for want of a better phrase, what's the more severe class, a 37 or a 38? 37. Uh, 38 is like as if you're you're not able-bodied, but like you're, you're able to, you're like... It's hard to explain, but a 37 is more like if your arm is up here or if you're more in 35. So it rates from 35 to 38, and I was borderline 37 because of my right side. So I'm getting classified. I was meant to get classified this year, but because of COVID, I'm getting classified next year. Right, okay. So let's jump into that COVID then. How has that impacted your training and competitions? Well, when I first found out that coronavirus was a thing, um, I got sent home from work. I'm a full-time areas practitioner. Um, so I was still working full-time from home. And um, my training got taken away from me, basically, from like from a track sense. But um, the competitions that I had lined up were all cancelled, obviously, because of the virus. But one, um, I didn't hear about it until two weeks before was the European Championships. So my training was still like hard going basically. And because I was in this working from home environment, I couldn't I couldn't cope with the, the, the eight hours on the on the computer. Um I, as I'm a practitioner, I, I'm on the floor most of the day. I'm always moving about. I'm like doing seventeen thousand slash eighteen thousand steps a day. So um I was training twice a day, whether it be go or run or do core at like my training sessions were still pretty high at the moment. Um, my coaches, uh, I'm training with able-bodied uh, athletes now, which is 
helping my training quite a lot. Um, I've got the backing of Alistair and Ricky from Kabarkin, um, who have done a superb job over uh, lockdown, sending me um, training sessions. They've been on the phone, just keeping my motivation um, and my spirit levels high, giving me determination. Um, and like I wasn't going to let myself down. Like I, I wanted to, like, I wanted to keep pushing myself to the limit. And then I found out that Poland wasn't going to happen this year. But my season wasn't my season wasn't going to be over. So in a way, COVID has helped me, like maintain my training sessions because I haven't stopped. Basically, I haven't stopped since March. And like, uh, and I didn't know if um, there was talks about. Poland getting moved to either November and December, so um, there was no way I was going to stop my training. Yeah, brilliant. I think that's the luxury of being, you know, a, a sprinter or a runner or, or you know, most track and field is you can always just you can run anywhere. You know, you can you can train anywhere. You know, and as you, you touched on there, it's not just about the the miles that you put in on the track. It's actually you know you can do core stuff, you can do flexibility stuff. All these little things add up. You know, so it's obviously great for you the fact that you can still train you know during all this and, and obviously things are a bit more relaxed now And but how important is it for you to actually have access to a track being a sprinter? Yeah it's, it's very vital for me because obviously um, you're in spikes and like that's when you do your best um, obviously I was training on road for most of it um, so I, need, I really needed a track and um, when I was allowed back on the track it was really hard in my um, calves, my hamstrings for the first two weeks because obviously the impact, anyway, obviously we've gone from training on road to training on a track again. So the track has been fantastic since I've been back. Um, obviously I felt fitter and I felt my stamina had built up because I was doing a lot of long runs. Um, I've been given hill training. I was given... Um, like speed sessions like as well just like working on me things that I could improve on um, to build up my right side um, so yeah uh, being back at the track has been really good but then obviously we had the lockdown again and it was, we couldn't get back on the track for a wee while but again I'm, I'm back in the new indoor facility and because I'm an elite athlete I can still train and I can still travel so um Alistair's had me in doing S&C um, to help build up my right side, which has been fantastic and I can't thank him enough. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. So what are the, you know, other than obviously still being able to train and, and, and you know, you've got certain exemptions being an elite athlete, but what, what's the main positives you've taken from COVID? The main positives I've, I've taken is like never give up, you know, like obviously I've not had any competitions this year that's, this year would have been my biggest year for, since 2018, uh, competition-wise. Um, obviously, I was gutted about it, but I wasn't going to let it get me down. Um, I think the key to success is working working until like, your body has no more to give. Um, and, and, and my teammates as well, like, giving each other motivation and like training within a week. Um, elite coaches as well, GB coaches. Um, they've been keeping in contact with me as well. We've been doing GB Zoom calls, um, just keeping our like levels high. That's what that's what we need. Um, I, I think the positive as well um, when you're training. Obviously, when I'm training on my own, it's hard. 
but I've been using people. See, when people are out their walks or out their runs, I've been chasing them down. Like, there, was a, there was a woman down the street just walking her dog, and I thought, I'm going to catch you. No bother, I'm going to catch you. <laughs> I love that, I love that. It's such, I mean, it's something that I think almost everyone has found, you know, through all this is that whether, you know, whether it's someone that you don't know and you see, I'm going to catch them on the street and you use them for that, for that training purpose, but it's, you know, you kind of, you touched upon it, it's that togetherness, you know, it's, it's, it's calling people a little bit more often, it's being a bit more in touch and I think that's helped everyone. As you said, you know, you're, as a practitioner, someone that's so active, you know, 17, 18,000 steps a day, to then be sitting at a desk for eight hours just isn't your lifestyle, you know, but the fact that you've got that ability to, you know, you can pick up the phone, go on a Zoom call with the, with the team and, you know, just, just help each other get through it. And I think that's such a massive takeaway. But let's let's imagine a world where coronavirus isn't a thing. You know, what is it? What's a regular training week look like for a, an elite sprinter? Um, so, like, when I, uh, if it wasn't coronavirus, I'd be training... Um, my training would be rammed up if it was up to competition season. So my competition season would have started in April. So if I've had a competition and say in the next four weeks, I would be doing more intense speed training. I would be doing block work. I'd be doing 300s, 400s, 500s. Um, and then when it gets to that week of competition, um, it would get calmed down. So it can vary from a very intense to relax, um, it all, all depends on how your body is feeling as well. Um, but right now, I'm training a Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, a Thursday, um, and I'm doing core stuff on a Wednesday and core stuff on a Friday. Um, I only see my coaches on the Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, but they, those days are given to do your own thing, but they still send a session if you've missed one or whatever. Um, I get the staff of the off to watch the mum. Uh, I wish I was training. <laughs> no, I think it's, it's it's good that you've mentioned that. You know, is is that is having that active rest. You know, even when you're not necessarily training, it's still keeping busy and making sure that you're taking over and not just you know sitting on the couch playing a bit of Call of Duty or something like that. You know, you're still taking over. You're still putting in a bit of work, and I think that's that's great. You know, but I want to talk. I also want to talk highs and lows. You know, so what's been what's been the toughest race for you? And um, that doesn't necessarily have to be your worst result, but in terms of just you know, it could have been one of those trips where everything was going wrong from the you know from the moment you turned up at Glasgow Airport. You know, what's what's been the toughest experience you had? Um, CP World Games four hundred meter final. Um, so the story about this race, like, was uh. Um, things have been going wrong beforehand. I think um, everything was going well up to a certain point where my warm-up was good. Uh, I felt good, but I, like this was my final race of the trip, um, and it was uh, like it was the hottest day. Um, it was the last race of the day, 400 meters. About to get ready, do my final preps, go to put on my vest. It's not there. My vest is not there. Um, and uh, I panicked. Uh, I was at my breaking point. Uh, I had five minutes to call. Um, my coach, John, was running around trying to see if it was anyone. Like, Because I remember putting it in my bag and I think someone stole it. That's my point of view. I think someone stole it and um, 
I'm not being bitter or anything. Like I think because there was very something. I think there was something sketchy going on um, because um, beforehand uh, someone pulled the plug for uh, the juices on the hottest day. So and then um, someone's bike got stolen from the Scotland team as well. Um, so I think someone stole my vest on the 400 meter final. So I, I had to wear a girl's vest. Um, I'm sure that suited you. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was so tiny, mate. It was the smallest thing ever. Um, but yeah, um, I was just lucky that a Scottish guy was behind the desk, managed to print off a new number for me um, in the very last minute before call because it was the final call at this point. And I, I remember just sitting down, like hand in, hand in my face, and my dad just grabbed me and just said, Buck up your ideas, Get, we've got you a vest. You go and run your heart out and show them what they're missing. I like who wants it more, and there's a video of my dad shouting who wants it more in the race at the end. Um, I I got a I got a bronze medal in that race. Um, I was so close to silver, um, but I was up against a Canadian and a Spanish guy who was nine years older than me. Yeah, uh, I was up against two Americans who was neck and neck. Um, so from going. That from that breaking point to that, I think that was the toughest, toughest memory I've had of a race. Just especially because I thought everything was going so well, and then all of a sudden was my best. Because uh, mom, mom, and like the Scottish team, like you know, like had like a wee fan fan base set up in the corner, and usually I wave my bag with her, with her and all that, and I, I wave my vest over the chair. Um, that's what I did the past two days, and then ran the third one. Start there, right? And I checked, I checked my hotel room when I went home as well. I wasn't there, so mm. probably buying in Spain somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> in, in someone's wardrobe, you know, I I know it is something that at a lot of sports, you know, for whatever reason, a GB vest or shirt or you know mm. any any sort of GB sporting kit tends to be at high demand. Um, and it's something that you know we get asked a lot of tournaments as well. Is can, can you swap GB shirts? And we're always, I mean, we're, we're just not allowed to do it. You know, we're not allowed to do it. And uh, and you know they are in high demand. So I'm not, I'm not pointing pointing fingers and naming names. But maybe you're right. Maybe someone did pinch it. But the, the fact that you, you turned that around, you know, you as you said, you were at your breaking point, and you know your, your dad grabbed you by the scruff of your neck and been like, "Come on, you can do this," and you did. You know, you went and got a bronze medal, so that's just that shows the grit and determination. You know, that the, the resilience that's there. You know, that you need as an athlete because you know a lot of people think as an elite athlete everything goes your way, and it's almost it's almost never the case, is it? No, it's not. It's not at all. At the end of the day, you've got the backing of your your team, your friends, like in your family, like. Mom and dad have been to every away trip with me for athletics and honestly I can't find them enough. Honestly, like I slate them sometimes, but at the end of the day, they love me and um my friends as well, like at the time. Um obviously I switch off my phone, don't say anything, like they wish me good luck and everything. And like you say you've got this, mate, you've got it, and then at the end I give them a message and like they see my Facebook post and like congratulations, they give me a phone call. Um, recently, like my girlfriend Sophie as well, she's she's been backing me obviously like last year and then obviously like I was gutted about the European Championships, but 
as she said, we just need to work for it for next year and like hopefully see what happens. Mm. Right, I mean that support, you know, around you as an athlete is so vital. But we've spoken about the you know the lows, the toughest race. What's been your best memory and and, and you know most fantastic race you've ever had? It's got to be European Championships. Uh, Making my debut for for GB, like I can't be any prouder. And like I'll never forget the feeling of getting that GB vest sent to my house and um, putting on the name. Like it's just goosebumps. It's absolutely goosebumps. And hope I can put on, put on that GB vest again and make my my family proud. No, I know for a fact you already make them proud. You know, and you you, you pull on that GB vest. And if you if you if you sit back just a little bit, there's a little emblem that's just up there in the corner, and you know it's it's that it's that Nike tick, you know. And yes, yeah, you, you guys in athletics get the, the best of gear, you know. And and what does it mean to you being a Nike athlete? Well, in the past, um, when I um, got my GB kit, um, Nike sent me a, um, a drop kit. For being part of the Futures Plus team, um, that's when I got into the Futures Plus. So I can't thank them enough for what they did and what they sent to me because it, it helped me massively for training. Um, I got gloves, track suits, a lot warm gear. That's what CP athletes have been wanting for ages. Absolute warm gear, seeing the weather like this, like the warm trousers, the, the jumpers. I can't find Nike enough for what they do. Um, and like it's just fantastic um, it means everything I can't thank enough and I also can't thank I may mention my sponsors I can't thank Sports Aid enough for what they do for me allowing me to travel to competitions and allowing me to buy spikes and what I need equipment wise and I also can't thank GBC and sport, um, Paisley Physiotherapy because they've been fantastic um, helping me get race ready for competitions they've been giving me great massages Stephen I know you're going to watch us so thank you <laughs> as, as someone that's uh, been involved with sports aid and of course Paisley Physiotherapy myself you're, you're totally right the, the support that they guys give is is, 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 is is you know you can't buy it you know it's just unprecedented the amount of support and hard work that goes into you know trying to produce top athletes for for the Olympic and Paralympic game, you know, and, and to have that local support, you know, um, both being Paisley boys ourselves, to, to have that support at the physiotherapy centre is, uh, is, is, you know, it's such a blessing that we've got, you know, but you mentioned the Paralympic Futures programme uh, and your face kind of lit up a wee bit there, so I know that that means an awful lot to you. Can you tell the, the listeners what the Paralympic Futures programme is? Yeah, uh, first of all, I would just like to say that and that I have been selected again for this year. And um, thank you very much for... Uh, thank you. <laughs> uh, I appreciate them uh, believing in me, and um, I can't wait for what next year comes to, uh, if it does. Um, so, like, competition-wise. Um, so, yeah, the Future Plus God is the one below the... Um, or the oh, I've lost I've lost the wording for it. Yeah, <laughs> so I've lost the wording for it, but it's the one before the. Sorry, Martin, I've actually lost it. Uh, um, it's the one before you, you get sp- sponsored. Yeah, it's the one before you get sponsored. So I'm in the future plus squad just now, and then if I move up to the next squad, that's when it becomes your full time job. Yeah, that's that's what I was looking for. So, um, yeah, the Future Plus squad allows you to 
compete at high levels. Um, so I, I was meant to be going to Italy this year um, to qualify. That would have been a qualifier for the European Championships. You need to do two qualifiers. So one would have been in Manchester and one would have been in Italy. And if I got the, the standard time for the 400 metres, I would have qualified, potentially qualified for the European Championships. Um, so European European Championships would have happened in Poland this year, but unfortunately it didn't. And then Italy would have been my qualifier and in Manchester as well. Um, so the Futures Plus is very beneficial because you've got very high um, GB coaches in there. Um, you've got psychology. And you, you learn how to cook. Still kind of cook, but I don't know. <laughs> At least you're honest. <laughs> I, I, I'm honest. I, I have tried. I, I have tried cooking, but um, I'm not. The, I'm not the best at it. But you, you know, um, and you learn about lifestyle as well, and being away. It's just being away with the team, and just gelling as a team. Like it's good um, seeing other internationals there as well. We've got England, Northern Ireland, Ireland, and Wales. Um, so we've kind of created a good bonding obviously we went to Italy year before so I mean it was it was good team bonding and obviously everyone was supporting each other and um, pulling on the GB vest again um, I wore my Scotland vest when I went to Italy um, just because Scotland gave me Scotland kit so I thought I would wear it um, thanks to um, Sports Scotland for that <laughs> um, so yeah just it's a great opportunity and I can't miss it Brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And so, you know, as you said, it's, it's a step down. Uh, it's not a step down, but it's a level down from yeah. you know the the elite funding program. You know, where athletes yeah. would put on APAs and and you know as you, you put it in a way sponsored, but it's where we put on a an APA, an athlete performance award to to go on and excel. And um, you know, it's it's something that you're striving towards. But what are the goals and aspirations for yourself moving forward? Well, um, number one on the list is European Championships for next year. Um, and then I'd love to get to the Commonwealth Games for the 100 metres. Um, I've been getting emails recently about it. Um, about the t- There's a T37 slash 38 um, race in the Commonwealth Games. So that is my aim, to get into that race, because that would be some achievement. Um, I've raced at Birmingham before in the in Diamond League so I know the track um, I had a crowd there before don't know what the atmosphere will be like this time because there will be different countries there um, so yeah I'm really looking forward to it it's going to be a hard working year and um, I've spoke to my coaches about changing my, tra- um, my plans for training and um, how to build up um, that short sharp speed and my, my biggest goal is 2024 Paralympics in Paris. That would be some dream. That, that is the goal. Get my mum and dad a wee holiday as well, into the bargain. <laughs> a wee holiday? It's only down the road. <laughs> yeah, it's only down the road. Yes, we've, got, we've got some park. That's, that's Paris, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so in terms of qualification, whether it be for European Championships or you know Commonwealth Games or 
a Paralympic Games, hopefully sometime in the future. Does it work in terms of medals or does it work in terms of speed, you know, in terms of like there's a, a time, if you hit that time, you're going because I'm, I myself and a lot of the listeners won't know how the qualification for athletics works. Yeah, um, so it's, it's qualifying, qualifying things that you need um, you need to have the qualifying time. Um, obviously, the standards have not been I've not been told what standards are because obviously no one's competed last year. Um, so I guess it's just a guessing game for everyone, and then um, we've just to go out and see what times we can get. Um, so that's what we're doing. I'll be doing as many open graded, uh, open graded as um, able bodied races that I've been doing for quite some time now because I think chasing someone who's able-bodied is better for me um, than um, going to disability events because no disrespect to anyone. Um, like I, I think just going to the able-bodied races just helps push me um, that wee bit further. Um, like if someone's really fast, then that, right, it doesn't matter if I come first in that race or not medals, it's just for a good time and that's what I need. That's what I need. And so uh, I've done quite a lot of them and um, no one wants to get beat off a disabled guy. So uh, it's good banner. And I, I love that. You know, you said no one wants to get beat off the disabled guy. I mean, you can imagine the look on people's faces when they lose to the guy with no hands at a game of table tennis, you know. So <laughs> I know exactly what you mean when you say that, but is there much cohesion between para-athletics and able-bodied? I know you, you yourself train with able-bodied uh, competitors, but is that something that's the norm, you know, or, or are you a bit of a maverick in doing that sort of training? Uh, end of the day, I don't want to be treated any different. Um, coming into that group, obviously I was nervous at first. Um, obviously, training my able-bodied guys are going to be a lot faster than me. That's what I wanted. I, I want people who's faster than me um, to push me on. Uh, I'm training with a, a great guy just now, a 400-meter runner who's 17 years old, and he's running eight seconds, maybe nine seconds faster than me. So for the 400, that's what I need. And uh, um, I, I can see him going all the way as well. And um, I can see him putting on a GB vest. And, um, that, and my coaches, Alistair and Ricky, um, they, they just treat me like anyone. They just, they give me slagging, which I like. They slag me about my team. We've also got someone fan in there as well. But again, we get good banter off the guys. And like we've got older guys in there as well um, with more experience that will give me tips with um, and like they've asked me questions about GB as well and um, I've, I've asked them competitions like what was it like for them and how do they deal with the pressure or do they deal with how do they cope with it and we just exchange notes but when it comes to a race day um, I say to them like I'm not going to talk to you by the way I'll talk to you after the race um, but they understand that everyone's got their own routine um, but I, was, I wouldn't say there's any there's any difference. I would say that able-bodied competitions run smoothly, whereas disability competitions it can like be held back or whatever. So like if I've got a race at ten fifteen, that will get pushed back to forty five minutes because I'm already getting a coffee or whatever. But <laughs> but um, no, uh, in like some disability events are hand-timed, whereas I like when it's like electronic timing so you can see the time as an accurate time because it will be good for qualifying times um, and um, I, I really need good racing conditions yeah of course of course you know and you spoke about 
you know, your routine is you, you know, the phone's off, it's put away to the side. The only thing you're thinking about when you're at track site is running as fast as you can. Is that something that you you do quite meticulously? You know, are you a very habitual person when it comes to training? Are you are you a bit of a Rafa Nadal? You know, things have got to be placed in the right position and, and you know, things have to go in the kit bag in a certain order or are you a bit more relaxed or be somewhere in between? Well, I'm going to be honest with you, mate. My mum's logistics. She sorts out my bag and everything, so I'm not a scary do what, what she does for the bag. Um, so <laughs> at the end of the day, I just put I just put my, my spikes on. Um, but I, I do have long socks, and then I've got I have one arm or like arm like long sleeve on my right side just to help remember it's there, so it's tight. So I remember my right arm's there when I'm running. Um, and then obviously the shades. If I don't have the shades, um, I'm lost. But that's why the shades are always on it. Whether it's raining, whether it's really sunny, or see if it's snowing, I'm still racing it. <laughs> I'm still racing with the shades on. <laughs> I, I'm like, that's my ritual. I need to wear the shades when I race because it just gets me in that zone. Whereas right, I'm talking to no one, I'm blocking everyone out. And um, there was one point where I was sitting in the call room and the guy was trying to speak to me, asking me what times I did. And I just blanked him and he was like, mate, mate, mate. And I'm like, I'm not talking to you, mate. <laughs> Nothing's yeah, going to <laughs> You see that in all sports. And I think the, the main thing to remember is, you know, on, on game day or race day or whatever it may be, don't take anything personally. You know, you've yeah. just got to do exactly what you do to get the best performance you can. You know, but Ross, you've been absolutely fantastic, mate. It's been great chatting to you again. You know, it's been a few years now since we've done this. Um, and you know it'd be great hopefully to see you in Birmingham that'd be class if we could both represent Team Scotland uh, and then and then hopefully we can share some croissants together in Paris in a couple of years time that'd be that'd be the dream man yeah definitely paint a picture of Paris that's it I'd love it mate absolutely love it no it's been a pleasure and thank you very much for having me on as well it's a great podcast and I'll, I'll be sharing it all about I've told my work about it as well so Margaret starts with Johnson um, that, that's kind of work just now so shout out to them you're good for a shout out I absolutely love it Ross thanks very much mate you've been brilliant brilliant mate thank you very much see you later cheers sweet cheer later <laughs>